Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Friday morning broadcast, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. We are in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. Going to have a great time in the Lord. Glad you've tuned in whenever it is you've tuned in. And I just encourage you right now, get your Bibles, follow along with us that you might look with your own eyes into the Word of God and uh, that after it's over, if the Lord has touched your heart and blessed you, that you would share these broadcasts, uh, that others may hear the truth of God's Word that gives them the picture of His righteousness. For that's what we must have revealed to us. The Bible teaches that if we're going to go from faith to faith, it only happens when the righteousness of God is being revealed to us through the gospel, in the gospel, Romans 1, 16 and 17. You and I as the children of God live by faith. Faith alone in Christ and His finished work at Calvary. Today, if we're going to lay hold on that life, experience that life, the one who is Christ, who is our life, then you and I are going to have to have our faith in the gospel. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but God's word will always point you to the cross of Christ because there is where God's righteousness is offered in any capacity as the initial status of you being righteous or you being uh, able to daily bear forth the fruits of His righteousness only comes through your faith in the sacrifice of Christ. So let's get beyond the thought that, yeah, that's what God has saved, but now we also know the we also's put us in big trouble and actually eliminate us from the grace that God wants to give us each and every day, which is what He wants to do in our lives. If you ever learn that God's grace is not just something floating around, but it's actually the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of God and what He's doing in your life, you will have taken a giant step in, a right, in the right direction, my friend, if you learn that. Most of the church today doesn't have a clue about what I just said. They think that grace is just something that's holding us and covering us and, and hiding our sin from God or uh, until the day. No, grace is what allows us to be forgiven and delivered from sin and learn to, under grace, to walk and live in the place where the sin nature no longer dominates us, Romans 6.14. So it's going to be a great broadcast today. I encourage you again, get your Bibles and your pencils, your paper. Let's get ready to have class today because that's exactly what this is. It's a, a time of equipping and encouragement and eye-opening revelation as God shines His light into our hearts, reflecting off of Christ and what He did at Calvary onto the pages of His Word, and I'm thankful for that. Pastor Colton Hill and his wife Casey will be with us this Sunday morning, so don't forget to tune in. They're pastors of Crossway Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. And if you want to hear the powerful gospel preached, you make sure you tune in Sunday morning. This young man is going to be declaring the glorious truth of the gospel, and I'm thankful for Pastor Colton Hill and his wife Casey. And uh, you know they moved from Athens, Tennessee, uh, all the way to Wichita Falls, Texas, and God has blessed them, and He's making a way there for them to to have a wonderful church and wonderful people. And I'm just thankful, and I just praise God for the increase uh, that's coming in the days ahead for that ministry there. Praise the Lord. So here we are. 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is part 2 on this 26th day of February 2021. And we'll begin this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. And uh, let me say something before we do dig in. Uh, I just believe the Lord will impart the truth needed today to the believing heart. God gives nothing to a heart of unbelief. God reveals nothing to an unbeliever. The, his truths, His ways, they, they're hidden from unbelief. They're hidden. But they're given. The great wisdom of God, the truths of God, the, 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 the mystery, the, the wonderful things that God has to be revealed, He longs to reveal them, but He only reveals them to a believing heart. You need to understand that. And so I encourage you today to open your heart, not to anything, 
but to the truth of God's Word. And He will impart into our hearts today that which we need. And we are a very needy people. Hallelujah. We're a very needy people and He's the only one who is the answer for all that we need. And uh, this is the last letter Paul would write here at the end of his life, which he's about to speak about. Wrote it to Timothy from a jail cell. And uh, he's already told Timothy that uh, back in uh, the first chapter of this second letter, uh, verse 15, you know, Timothy, that everybody in Asia, all those in Asia have turned away from me. And here he's going to mention even more who's left him. He's going to, I mean, the, the, and you need to know this. The, the big popular thing that's, that's growing and looking all spiritual, whatever it is, it ain't of God. It's not of God. If it's not pointing, it's not about emotions and feelings and what people call uh, just loving people. Oh, we're loving people. But you're not loving people if you sit there and listen, listen to them tell you what their object of faith is and it's not the cross and you're not telling them. You're not bringing the right direction. You, that, that's not love. Love is more than the way you treat people. It's lost people can treat people good. The Christians are called to love indeed, yes, but in word also, the truth. If we don't present that which is right and if we don't correct that which is false with all of our religious sounding excuses as to why we're not going to correct that which is false, we're not loving people. You can forget it. You can think you are. You, you can pretend you are and with your emotions and feelings and how you treat everybody. And, and you know, you're, you're, not, you're not getting anything uh, unless Christ is doing what's done in you and through you. And He's not the one doing in you and through you what's being done if your faith is not in the cross. Now, I'm not talking about years ago when you got saved. I'm talking about is that what you're trusting in now? Do you realize that... There are people, there are even Christians, these Christians who've been born again, they actually believe that going around doing these deeds of goodness, that we should be doing good works. We're called to walk in them. But, they, but, but many, many, most of the church today has their faith in those good things they're doing. That's why when everything falls apart in their lives, they say, God, why is this happening to me? You know I, you know I, you know I've been doing this. You know I've been... No, listen. And we prove, we prove the object of our faith has been wrong all along. Because it's not about what we're doing. It's about what He's doing in and through us. And Galatians 5 just refutes. Galatians 5 is the main place in the Bible that shows us we can remove ourselves from Him. Who is Him? The Spirit of grace. And Paul goes on to tell the Galatians, if you turn saved, spirit-filled Christians on their way to heaven, if you start dabbling back in that circumcision, for us today it's not circumcision, it's the purpose driven the government of 12 or the walking around the house three times quoting scripture thinking that I'm going to get some. Whatever it is, no matter how good and biblical it is, if it's not our trust in the very work of Christ at Calvary, then we're trusting in what we're doing. It's either His work or ours, my friend, and we need to remember that. And if you think that's too narrow, well, that's why Jesus says there's going to be few that find it, few that accept it. We're a very prideful people who demand God honors our works. And when, and when things fall apart and, he's, and it looks like He's no, no, no longer honoring and blessing what we're doing, then we get all angry at God which really just brings us to the place, should bring us to the place where we realize we've been trusting in how much we've been given, how long we've been given, how well we've been treating other folks, and how, how long we've been faithful to a church, and how long we... Let me tell you something here. At the end of the Apostle Paul's life, in jail because of his witness unto the Lord and his testimony unto all people, there's very few handful of people even giving him the time of day. 
Many are ashamed of him because he's trusting in the, in the Lord to such a degree that he won't even tone down his gospel to stay out of jail. But most have turned away. Now let's get back for a moment to what Paul told the Galatian church. If you, if you start dabbling in this circumcision, if you, if, if you believe these guys and you start following them and, and, and you believe you've got to go get circumcised, do you know what he says? It's in Galatians 5 that Christ can no longer benefit you. He can no longer profit you. He can no longer affect you because you've fallen from what? From grace, the place God works. Now the, mo the modern church today, they want to they twist all that up and that's what most preachers end up happening. That's what happens to most preachers who go to seminary. They learn how to twist God's Word to be men pleasers so they can keep that check coming all their life instead of just presenting God's Word in the fearful way that it's written. And God's Word, when it brings fear and trembling to the heart, that's what it's meant to do. But, 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 but we have a, the tendency when fear and trembling come to our heart because what we see in the Word to go get somebody uh, to tell us what, it, what they say it really means, they'll remove the fear and trembling from our hearts. Paul, at the end of his life, the end of his ministry, when today's thought would be, man, he ought to be flourishing. He ought to be, man, he ought to have more people. He ought to have people piled up around that prison. Tanton, let Paul go. Let Paul, uh-uh. People were ashamed of him, just like they were ashamed of Jesus. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So let me say this before we dig in this morning. How many people hate you for what you believe? How many people hate you for what you believe? If the answer is none, then you're not standing for anything. I know what I'm talking about. If you're just that good old fellow, that good old sweet gal that everybody seems to love and like, and oh yeah, uh, they're good old church-going, upstanding citizens, and everybody likes them, they're just, oh. But they don't know what you really believe. If they did, or if you believe what you really say you believe, there's going to be some animosity. People tell me almost every week of my life, that they used to be mad at me until the Lord revealed the truth to them. And some of them, well, they've rejected what we teach and they send horrible messages. They, they leave horrible things on my answering machine at home. They, they send awful emails they, they, because of the simple way of the cross. And Paul wasn't trying to force anything down anybody's throat and neither are we. But we do present that which is right, which has a showing of all that is wrong. If what Paul taught was right, and we believe it is, the way of the cross, the way of righteousness, the way in becoming determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified, as the power of God and the wisdom of God and the only avenue through which the grace of God comes, then my friend, if that's what you really believe in the heart, there's going to be a message on your lips and there's going to be an, an offer to bring the direction to those who are going in the wrong direction. The Word of God is given to us to bring reproof and rebuke and instruction in righteousness. Come on now, somebody. Help me in here this morning. Are, are you okay today? A lot of times... Christians have to be awakened, stirred, jarred, and awakened unto righteousness and made realize, man, I've been staggering around this. I've been staggering around this. My, my faith has really not been what I thought it's been. And we're going to look at Paul today here at the end of the last letter he would write, from prison, as almost all had turned away from him, he's writing one of the handful of people if that, Paul had left to even be able to write to. And what a blessing it is that you and I have the opportunity to have God's Word here before us today. 500 years ago, there was no Bibles. There was the, the Word of God 
in Latin, just here and there, and the, and the priest over the places where it was uh, on a table and chained to a table, they couldn't even interpret it. And all throughout the dark ages and all the evil of Satan and his attempt to snuff out and do away with the Word of God, God made a way to bring it back to where there's Bibles in the houses all over the the, the dashes of cars and in the trunks of cars. There's Bibles everywhere in these last days. God has blessed us with the Word of the Lord. Let us take it to heart. Let us take His words to heart and make sure that we're hearing the right thing and make sure that how we're hearing is with a broken heart and a willing mind to accept the way of Christ at Calvary is God's only way to save me, only way to work in my life, only way for my ministry to be legitimate is if I'm pointing people to the cross, not just for salvation initially, but for daily grace to walk the way of victory and to be used by God so that I can make sure I don't fall from grace. Most Christians won't give me the time of day. They didn't give Paul the time of day. Most ministers that are ministers of God, ministers of righteousness, ministers that call the the people of God to repentance and to come back to the place of focus, the place they were first given eyesight, which is the born-again experience through faith in the death of Jesus, so that there God can add to that faith, that measure of faith that He gave you, Romans 12, 3. He can't add to our faith if our faith is not in the very thing it was in for Him to be able to impart to us that measure of faith. If our hearts are not believing unto His righteousness, which is the work of Christ at Calvary, He cannot add to this faith that Peter wrote, add to your faith knowledge, add to your faith. It cannot be added to and it is the only thing that you've been given by God that can be added to by God, that measure of faith. So therefore, keep your faith in the cross. It's not going to bring you a ton of friends. It's not going to be the moneymaker for your ministry. People are going to leave you. And we have Paul the apostle to look at. Let's look at that today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, and he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course, my race. I've kept the faith. He's done this all by the grace of God. And I want you to notice something this morning in this session. That Paul is more focused on where he's going, we're going to see it, than what he's leaving. I believe if we would, as he wrote to the church in Colossae in chapter 3, set our affection on things above, then we'd have more than a little word here and there about, yeah, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to be with the Lord. When in all reality, most of the time, we fear having to leave here. Come on now. And it's normal not to want to leave your families, not to want to leave the things God has blessed you with. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't run with that the wrong way. But listen, if you're, if you're functioning in the will of God according to the Word of God that has glorified God in your life, that's not on your own terms, my friend. That's to carry the gospel. Be one who walks with the aroma that's a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And what is that? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. It is you are carrying the knowledge of Christ with you. Not that you're just a nice, good person and you go to church on Sunday. No, sir. You are carrying not your preacher's name, not your church's name, but the knowledge of Christ. How much knowledge of Christ is being imparted through you by the Lord on your job, in the classroom, in your ministries. How much of the knowledge of Christ is being imparted through you? Because it's not. It is absolutely not you just being a nice person and a good person and doing right thing when many others would do the wrong thing because even evil people can do good things to get what they want in a manipulating way. It's about carrying and delivering the knowledge that which you know of Christ. Hallelujah.
You need to understand that. The church is turned into a, a bunch of good deeds and good works and we're ordained to walk in good works, but they're all in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2 and 10. That means our faith is in what he did at Calvary, for it was only there when we believed upon Jesus and what he did on the cross that we were immersed into his death. Romans 6, 3. That's why Paul could say, I'm crucified with him buried with Him, raised up to newness of life in Him, with Him. Hallelujah. You need to understand that when God saw His Son, Jesus Christ, dying for you, He saw you dying with Him. You have to believe that if you believe that the reason you showed up in this world born, conceived in your mother's womb in iniquity and you showed up as a sinner, you believe that's because who, who your daddy, your first daddy was in the Garden of Eden. His name was Adam. That's what the Bible calls him. And, and because he became a sinner, the fruit of his flesh would be you and me and we would be sinners. So we had to be transferred out of one body by death and be born again into a new body, the body of Christ, through that which he did at Calvary. Come on now. Good gospel this morning. And you were immersed not into a water tank in a church building. You were immersed. The Bible says it. Even though commentary writers can read it in Romans 6.3 and then start talking about water baptism, it tells us we were immersed, baptized into his death. That's where you were placed in Christ. Where do you think God, Ephesians 1, 4, when the Bible says He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world? Before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Christ. That means He foreknew, He foresaw, He had the foreknowledge and the foresight that would see we were believing in the Lamb that would be slain for us, which by the way, Revelation 13, 8 tells us was slain before the foundation of the world. That simply means in God's plan, it was already a finished and done deal and He'd made a way for all men, women, boys, and girls to be forgiven and delivered from sin and to be able to live for Him every day of their life without fear, serving Him in righteousness and holiness. Luke 1, 74 and 75. I hope you'd write these verses down and go and look at them. But... It's not all about the good things we do or where we go to church or that we are in church. Those are all great. But it's about what the Lord is able to do Himself, the Spirit of grace, the comfort of the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, all those names for the, for the one Spirit of God, the Spirit of His Son, what He's able to do. And he only works in truth. Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right in all his works. It'd do you good just to say that this morning. All his works are done in truth. And if you have another translation that says it in a different way, all his works are done in faithfulness, when you click the word faithfulness and see another word for faithfulness, it's truth. Because the truth of God is how God is faithful to His people. That's the avenue of God's faithfulness to His people is His truth. And He only works in the truth. And when you just accept God's Word as truth, you're taking a gigantic step in the right direction when you start moving away from what men think and just trusting in what God has said because words are thoughts spoken. And when you start trying to change God's Word then you're trying to live according to a way that God doesn't think because God thinks the way that he, His words are what He thinks, how He thinks. And we have His Word. We desperately need that. Paul says he's now ready to be offered. That means he's ready to be offered now in death as a sacrificial testimony because he's fought a good fight. Paul probably wouldn't have been getting ready to die or even in jail had he not fought a good fight. 
That means the good fight of faith. Let's talk about that for a minute. The good fight of faith. Your fight, Christian, is not against sin. Your fight is not to say no to sin. Your fight is to live by the faith you've received when you were born again. When you believed with the heart unto righteousness, meaning that work, that righteous work of Christ at Calvary, God gave you the measure of faith to fight to keep. If you're fighting against sin, you're going to lose. Jesus already fought and overcame all sin. And God gave you the measure of faith because you trusted in that work. And when you are fighting the good fight of faith, you need to understand faith can't fail. Faith can't fail. People have told me all throughout the years that I've been ministering, pastoring, my faith has failed me. That's an absolute wrong statement. Faith can't fail. Faith can never fail. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches that it's nothing's wrong with faith. And we'll get into that hopefully. If I can keep my mind straight this morning, Lord help me. We are either weak or strong in the faith. We're either growing in the faith or we're moving away, deteriorating from the faith. We're either striving for the faith of the gospel or we're allowing it to slip away with all our justified fleshly excuses as to why I no longer am functioning in a place of uh, obedience. And, uh, you know, oh, but we will never, we will never admit that we're wrong. We'll make up excuses as to why we're no longer functioning as co-laborers with God the way God's called us to. Don't think for a minute that all those folks that left Paul just went back into the world and just lived like the devil out in the world. No, those folks that left Paul, some of them did have a love for the world. But a lot of them thought they were still serving God outside of the avenue that God was offering them, which was the way of the cross. My friends, they were just flat out wrong. The story of Noah and the ark he built ought to show us that. If you don't get in the ark, God can't honor you. God can't save you. God can't bless you. God can't equip you. Even as the people of God, He does not just work just because. Again, take to heart the book of Galatians. We can fall from the place God works. We can fall from the place we're affected and profited by Christ. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Hallelujah. Paul says he's ready now to be offered. To, 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 if, they, if they're going to take my life, he's ready for that. But he doesn't look at it as them taking my life. He looks at it as he's being offered now. He's being offered as a sacrificial living sacrifice. He's about to be sacrificed here on the earth for fighting a good fight. And let's get back to that. Faith can't fail. You know how I can prove that in the Scriptures? Because Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love and love can't fail because God is love. And hear me this morning. God can never fail. He never fails. The fight, the good fight of faith is the fight to keep the faith. That's the fight. The words that say what we must believe in are easy to say. But the good fight of faith, to fight the good fight of faith, which is a, a fight that cannot be lost, will take a determination to know nothing other than what brings the, the victory of that faith that we've been given. And that's the cross of Christ. When we move our faith from the cross, I don't care how much the things now our faith is in that the Bible says we do. If we're not trusting in the, what Christ did at Calvary, pride is going to guide our lives. Hot-headedness, angry attitudes. We're not going to be experiencing the brokenness and the deliverance of God daily in our lives that the church desperately needs. We all need every day to be growing, to be gaining Christ. But to gain Christ means to be losing something. If you can't name what you're losing, then you sure can't explain to me how you're gaining Christ either. To gain means to lose. To gain Christ means you're losing something that was preventing that gain. So if you can't tell me 
and others can't see what you're losing, then you need no go around using the phrase, I'm gaining Christ. To gain Christ means there's more fruit to be seen in your life of victory, deliverance, the character of Jesus. And my friend, that's more than just being nice and good among people. Don't be duped and carried off into all that. You're going to talk, listen to me. Oh, this is good. You're going to talk about what your faith is in. Listen to the preachers today. They're going to talk about what their faith is in. I know somebody just had a move of God right then in your heart. I want you to get that. Preachers are going to talk about what their faith is in. You and I, we're going to talk about what our faith is in. That right there, a move of God just took place right there. But here, here, here comes the challenge. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, then when faith comes to a believing heart, it's going to show you the avenue of gain, which is allowing the Holy Spirit of truth to guide you into all truth. But to take one step forward means something's got to be lost. These folks that are sitting around listening to the message of the cross, saying the words, the message of the cross, and they're still sitting under preachers who aren't preaching this message, my friend. That's called lip flapping. That's called honoring something other than the truth they say they believe. And we're like, we're like sugar grains in a, in a glass of tea when it's first dumped in, when we're in a mixture. Somebody needs to hear this today. And as long as we sit there and keep thinking that, that we just need to hear an audible voice that God hadn't told me to leave, I know the preacher's not preaching what he should be because I hear those that are preaching what should be preached. And I know our pre but my parents and my grandparents and my wife, oh, oh my husband, oh, 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 my, this is my family church, oh, 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 listen, the longer we stay in that mixture as those sugar grains the more we're going to dissolve and just become a part of that mixture. And my Lord, the harder and harder it becomes for us to ever depart and, and, and get out of that now that we're more and more becoming one with that mixture if we don't get up. So many excuses today. Oh, so many excuses today. Oh, they sound so good. Oh, they sound so spiritual. But God's not accepting any. God's not planted you where the message of the cross is not the focus of any ministry. Let's break it down. Give it to you biblical today. God has reconciled us by the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are ministers of that reconciliation. Thirdly, not only are we reconciled by the blood and called ministers of reconciliation, but God has also committed His word of reconciliation to us. And that reconciliation does not just mean for the lost to be saved, but it means for the wandering sheep to be reconciled back to the path of righteousness. And if you're sitting in a church where this message, and we all know many, many that are, Many that are. We've, we're watching now ministries that were once on fire for God with the message of the cross. Man, it permeated throughout every minister and just people. Oh my goodness, the fire of God. It could be seen, the excitement, the joy. It was there, hallelujah. But there's become a mixture. And a mixture is like water of the world being dumped on a fire. And no matter the negative things that we can see that will probably take place if we stay the course and come back to the place of being determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, no matter what everybody else is doing. Because we have our examples from the Word, not other ministries over the Word. We have our example from the Word. From the Word. Paul says, 
He's fought a good fight. And let's get back to that. The good fight of faith cannot be lost. Ministers today throwing in the towel like never before because they don't know what faith is. Faith never quits because faith, when it comes, it overcomes. When faith comes, faith overcomes. Ministers who are throwing in the towel don't know the way of victory. Oh, they've talked and spoken out of the Word of God for 40 years, but now they're quitting. Some 10 years, now they're quitting, giving up. Faith never quits, never gives up, whether it's sent to prison or not. Faith cannot lose. Faith cannot be... Faith cannot lose. And Galatians 5 teaches that it's our flesh and the Spirit that never stop slapping each other upside the head. They're not going to stop. You're not ever going to reach. Nobody, no Christian's going to reach a place now, ever, nobody, till we're with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're, we're just living in a place where we're not even having any issues with the flesh. And if you woke up today, you're going to have an issue with the flesh because Galatians 5 teaches there's a constant, constant enmity between the flesh and the spirit. Constant striving against each other. Constant, never ending. And you need to understand that. But faith overcomes. Faith can't lose. Faith will never throw the towel in. Faith never quits. Because this faith we've been given in Christ by believing what He did by grace through faith has overcome the world. He overcame the world and in Him we're more than overcomers, more than conquerors. In Him, if we keep the faith, keep the faith. The faith is worth fighting to keep, my friend. We'll fight for this and we'll fight for that. Will you fight to keep the faith? Will you fight to keep the faith when your spouse or your best friends for life or those you've ministered with in ministry for years, when the Lord begins to open your understanding to the word of His power, the message of the cross, the light of His word, and they won't go with you there. They won't get up and come out when you hear God telling you to get up and get out like Abraham did. They won't go with you, and you know they're not going with you. Will you fight the good fight of faith? Will you get up and get out and no longer support financially that which is not preaching the message Paul preached? Paul says he fought a good fight. He tells us what fight that was by the last part of the verse. I've kept the faith. If you're going to keep the faith, you're going to fight to keep it or you're not going to keep it, my friend. You need to write that down and put it on your refrigerator. If I'm not fighting to keep the faith, I am not going to be able to keep it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and that Word must be in its righteous context or I'm not going to live from faith to faith. We live by faith as we go from faith to faith and that means faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God but that only happens as the righteousness of God is revealed in and through the gospel to us. Oh, you need to think about that. I don't care who you hadn't heard say that. I don't care if your big TV preachers isn't saying that. All that matters is what the Holy Spirit's trying to give to you. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Not what do you need to go call and ask around. Have you heard something unbiblical? Have you heard anything out of context? Absolutely not. Not today. Not this morning. Paul fought a good fight. This is why he can be ready to be offered. This is why he doesn't have to say, okay, okay, forget it. I'll, what is it going to take to get me out of this jail? What's it going to take to let me have a few more years? I'll tone it down. No, I'm going to keep fighting the good fight. I'm going to finish my course, Paul says. I've, 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 I've finished my course. That means I've ran my race. See, Hebrews chapter 12 says that there's been a race that God set before us to run. 
Paul says, I've run my race. I've ran my course. We don't all have different races. We all live in different places, but we don't all have different races. We all have different lanes, but we don't all have different races. There's one race. It's a race of victory, my friend. It's not a race for victory. It's a race because we're already victorious in Christ. This faith we've been given, it's been measured out from the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave Himself for us, Galatians 2.20. We have the victory, therefore we run the race. When we stop running the race, it's because we've stopped looking at who Christ is and what we have in Him. You already have victory offered to you in every situation. What we learn to do through fighting to maintain the faith. And again, we will either be striving for the faith of the gospel or it will be slipping away. That's Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through and 3 and Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. You will strive for the faith of the gospel. Not, Not strive for any other thing. Strive for the faith of the gospel, the faith that works through the gospel or it's going to slip away. Oh, you can keep going with all the right words to say, but within your heart you know it's no longer working. It's no longer working. Oh, it's a good session this morning. I have fought a good fight. It's the fight of faith. It, It cannot lose. I may have the appearance of losing. Christ at Calvary had the appearance of of being overcome, but in reality, He was overcoming all principalities and powers, triumphing over all of them, making an open show of them in His cross. Colossians 2, 14-16. Write that down. Go look at those scriptures, my friend. Don't let any of these false lying preachers today tell you that the cross was Jesus being defeated. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says He triumphed over all principalities and powers, making an open show of them in His cross. (laughs) That's why the preaching of the cross, not the stick, the tree, the piece of wood, but Jesus and what He accomplished in his death. That, that, that's why men run from it or start lying about it because they won't subject themselves to the death being the only place God offers grace and life and victory and peace and joy and, 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 and just grace for each step of the way. More than forgiveness, more than deliverance, but even grace for ministry must be through a faith that's in the death of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Think about that. Paul says, he's kept that which he obtained through the righteousness of God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look over there, and I want you to see this with your eyebubs this morning. 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Watch this. I'm sorry, it must be 1 Peter. No, that was right. 2 Peter 1 and 1. Yeah, 2 Peter 1. I want you to get this. I want you to hear this today. I want you to... It do you good. Now, I know I say this all the time, and I don't just say it to hear myself talk. And I know the Holy Spirit is going to bring to our remembrance whatever we need, but let me give you a little help this morning. When you can, you can do this and actually see the reality of it. When you will write down Scripture, and don't tell me you don't need to do that. The Holy Spirit wrote it for us. Come on now, somebody. The Holy Spirit wrote it down for us. If you will write down a Scripture with your own hand, if you can, Writing something down is like reading it 11 times. 
I've heard that for years and I believe it. I used to take notes in the seminary that I went to for a short season and, and, I, and, I, and I, I mean, I just took notes on everything. Come time for the test, I just reread all my notes over and over. I get through reading, I go back to the front. Just read, I just read it, read it, read it because when you're reading something, it's, 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 it's being printed in your mind. I'm not kidding you. Everything you've ever smelt, touched, tasted, heard, uh, whatever the five senses are, everything, it's all in the warehouse. It's all there, my friend. Now, most of it will never come back. Up here where it's actually where we pull it from the files, but it's all in here. So when I encourage you to write down a scripture, don't just listen. I'm a pastor. I'm trying to help you. The Holy Spirit had these words written down. Why don't you try writing a scripture down? This would be a good one right here. 2 Peter 1 and 1. And we're talking about Paul saying he's kept the faith. I want you to see this morning in the scriptures the avenue through which you and I, the children of God, have obtained this like, like precious faith. You ain't got no different Christian faith than I got I might be weak in the faith and you might be stronger in the faith, but it's the same faith we've been given. The measure of faith, the measure of the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave Himself for us. Romans 12, 3 and Galatians 2, 20. Write those down. Look at them. Let the Holy Spirit engraft them into your heart because this faith we've been given cannot fail. If we allow our flesh to lure us in the wrong direction, we will fail. But faith cannot fail. Why? Because it works by love. Galatians 5, 6, and love cannot fail. Love cannot fail, the Bible says, because God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 4, 16. What does that tell us? That faith is a move of God. If it is biblical faith, it is a move of God. It's just not men stirring themselves up to be in the faith. No, a faith is a move of God. It is God moving in our lives because our hearts are trusting in His words of righteousness because our faith is in Christ and His righteous work at Calvary. 2 Peter 1 and 1, watch. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them, that's us, that have obtained, obtained, received, like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see there's an avenue there through which this like precious faith we have and that we're told to fight for to keep came to us. And it's told us here we've obtained this like precious faith through the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, my friend, Romans 3, 25 and 26 tells us was declared through the death of Jesus. The righteousness of God was declared at Calvary. That's where it was declared. How do you think Abraham, believing God, allowed God to impute his righteousness to Abraham? Romans, uh, I mean, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, Romans chapter 4 tells us rather, it's because he believed that God was able to save the ungodly, to justify the ungodly. That means Abraham believed that God was going to send a Redeemer and his faith was in that Redeemer, that God would justify those that believed in that coming Redeemer and that they could be, that the ungodly could be justified before God. But I wanted to show you this morning. There is an avenue through which this like precious faith comes and it works through no other avenue. Because the Bible teaches that any, the Bible teaches that where any faith is true biblical faith, the fruit of it is righteousness. It is the righteousness of faith. It is the righteousness of faith. And I wanted you to see that today. This is very important because Christ did 
the work of righteousness at Calvary. Isaiah 32, 17 says the work of righteousness is peace. And Colossians 1 and 20 says that He made our peace by the blood of His cross. So when you righteously divide the Word of God, you see that the righteous work that became peace was the blood of the Lamb being shed at Calvary. The cross is the righteous declaration of God into His righteousness. The cross is God's declaration of righteousness. I hope you're getting that today. This is what Paul taught. This is what Paul believed. This is why Paul didn't have a massive ministry at the end of his life. This is why he only had a handful of people. That's why I value so dearly these ministers. And I know there's more than I'm acquainted with. Praise God for that. But I, And you ought to also value the relationship and the fellowship you have with other ministers who God has been able to bring back to this place, the Apostle Paul experienced. The determination to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. The realization that every word of God is in righteousness. It, Proverbs 8 and 8. It has to be if faith's going to come because it's always the righteousness of faith. We've looked at the Bible too long as just uh, initial born again experiences. Yes, it, we were made righteous because of our faith. No, but our, our fruit cannot be righteous if our faith is not properly in that through which faith comes and works being the death of Jesus. Oh, it's so good this morning. Hallelujah. You know, some people say, well, I just don't, I'm not going that way. Well, that's your prerogative, my friend. My Lord, you can climb that mountain out there and jump off of it. You can go stand on a bridge and jump off. You can do what you want to do in this life, but here's the one thing you don't have the option to do, and that's to determine the consequences of what you do. You and I today can do whatever in this round world we want to do, but you do not get to choose the consequences. You do not get to. You can live for Satan. You can live for yourself. You can make yourself a God in this life, but you are going to stand before the one true God and the consequences are not yours and mine to choose. Hallelujah. God has promised though that we will reap what we sow and if we sow to the Spirit, we'll reap everlasting life. But if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap death, corruption. So we need to uh, look at this example we have of the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm ready to be offered. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've run this race. I, I fought the good fight. I've clean, listen. I've I've held fast to the sound words of doctrine, even though the Lord told me to tell you, Timothy, that even in this portion of the letter, that they're not going to endure sound doctrine. There will come a time when the people of God are not going to endure sound doctrine. They're going to wax cold from love. Iniquity will abound in their hearts. They'll make excuses excuses as to why they're no longer in church, they're no longer in the Word, they're no longer supporting true ministry. They all, oh, so the church is in trouble, my friend, unless we get back to sound doctrine and hold fast to it. We're going to be just like these guys that we'll see in the next broadcast next week. Paul calls by name who's departed. One of them departed, he says, tells on the guy. And tells the whole world on the guy because he loves this present world more than he loves the things of God. But Paul here says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Are you fighting a good fight of faith today? If you're not, you can come back to faith exclusively in the cross and find that faith functioning again for you. Find God's grace at work in your life again. Christ profiting you and, and effectually using you and blessing and, and doing things in you and through you where, where you know it's real and you're not just having to get among people and put on a smilish fake show, but you know it's real. And we do know the difference, my friends. Are you keeping the faith? Are you keeping that which God dealt you? Are you keeping it? Are you keeping the faith. You're going to fight to keep it. 
We are going to fight a good fight to keep the faith or we're not going to keep it. And every opportunity we have to cling fast to sound doctrine, which is the avenue through which faith comes, the doctrine of Christ and His righteousness. That is sound, my friend. The things God is offering, He's offering to those who believe. God didn't open up the message of the cross to me until I told Him from my heart one day. Okay, I believe the cross is the answer. I've seen enough. I've seen enough in Scripture to at least admit that all that I've been teaching for the last several years is wrong. And the cross is the answer. And you've heard my testimony. I said, Lord, how am I going to preach the cross for the rest of my life? Which proved my ignorance of the message of the cross, for it is in every jot and tittle, and the Bible bleeds red. But I wasn't able to see all that. And I would have never, ever been shown it by God had I not subjected myself by admitting to God and meaning it from my heart. See, God knows whether I mean what I say or not. And the fruit of me really meaning what I say when I tell God the cross is the answer for every everything that man has need of in this world when God sees that I really have subjected myself to His way of righteousness, that means I've stepped into a place He calls fearing Him. Not what others think, but now I'm fearing Him. I'm valuing Him above all things, and I've seen enough to at least to admit this is right. And then He begins to show me His covenant. There's a scripture it's either, in, it's either in Psalms or Proverbs chapter 25 that says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. He shows them, He shows them His covenant. And those who are preaching the message of the cross in the avenue to some degree of which the Apostle Paul preached, taught, and wrote to all of us are those whom God is showing His covenant. He is ever mindful of His covenant. Before He started, before He put everything in motion on the earth, the Lamb had already been slain. His children had already been chosen in the slain Lamb. That's because He saw they were going to believe. So I encourage you today Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Don't let that slip which you obtained through the righteous work of Christ at Calvary. Don't let it slip away. You know just as well as I do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through and 3, it will slip away if we don't give the more earnest heed to it. You don't tend to your garden, weeds will take it over and destroy it, and the fruit will not be there for your benefit. Same thing spiritually. God bless you. I thank you for supporting us in prayer and financially. I thank those of you who are hearing from the Lord and are sowing into good ground where you're being benefited greatly by the truth of God's words of righteousness. And God is benefiting you and your family and your ministries through what He's saying to this ministry. And I just praise God for all those who will subject themselves. And when the Lord encourages you to give, that you will just give. Many of you are, and I praise God for every one of you. The ministry here, giving is never about the ministry. The greater blessing is upon the giver. And it's not that the ministry has overwhelming needs. It's that the believer has a need to be obedient to the Lord and do what God's calling them to do. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can do it on the Crossway Church app on your smartphone. 
or you can text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. But make sure wherever you're giving, you're giving to the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. Praise God. I'll see you next Friday on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis right here at 9 a.m. every Friday morning. God bless you. I love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.